There is more to life than what meets the eye. As we live life here on earth, the Bible teaches us that we ought to realign our perspective to God's perspective. When we look at life through heaven's eyes, we see what God originally intended for us to see in every season. Choose God's perspective and look at life through heaven's eyes. Let's turn our Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 6 verses 14 to 17. Let's read. This is the story of Elisha. And um, we see that a Syrian king sent armies to seize the prophet because the prophet would even reveal the plots and the plans that the king would make in his bedroom. So this is a scary prophet and the Syrian king really wanted to seize him and therefore he sent out armies uh, after him. And what do we read here from verses 14 onwards? Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there and they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall I do? What shall we do? So he, he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So this is an amazing story um, that, that tells us that on that day when the servant first looked at the mountains and looked at the army that was standing to seize Elisha, he probably shuddered, went back and told Elisha about it. But when Elisha prayed that his spiritual eyes would be opened, he goes back and sees, and he sees something completely different. He sees horses and chariots, yes, but horses and chariots of fire. Horses and chariots of God which were sent as protection and the army being much larger than the army that came to seize Elisha. And, you know, um, it's, it's obvious that the servant would have been shocked because the second time he looked, it was all different, completely different from what he saw the first time. And this is what happens when we look at life through our spiritual eyes. So there is more to life than meets the natural eye. There's more to life than what I can see with my natural eye. And if I choose to look with my spiritual eyes, I can see a lot more. And the Bible is full of instances where God calls us to use his perspective on life, on things of life, and not just to stick with our own interpretation of life. And we need to be aware that we have an opportunity to look at life through God's perspective, through heaven's perspective, through heaven's eyes. Amen? And this morning, I'd just like to share to us on this topic, through heaven's eyes. Through heaven's eyes. Okay, we all know um, if we just want to get our eyes checked, go to the ophthalmologist or, uh, you know, just even a pair of good glasses, a good prescription of glasses and contact lenses is good enough to get back your vision in focus. Okay, how many of us agree to that? 
Amen. Okay. So I don't wear glasses, but I know it's true. Uh, you, you just need a good pair of glasses. And this morning, I'd just like to encourage us to choose heaven's prescription of glasses. So you may just look to your neighbor and say, choose heaven's prescription. Okay. So heaven's prescription, I'm sure, will be a really good prescription. Okay. And from time to time, as we run this race of life, we realize that we need realignment and readjustment. Okay. When we start out, we, we look straight ahead, we run with enthusiasm, we run with focus, but then there are points in life where you just need to stop. You just need to ask a couple of questions. You need to refocus, readjust to God's perspective. And today, I believe, is just that day. So what I may share with you may not be very new, but it's, it's just a time of readjusting and refocusing to the things of God. And when our focus is restored, we can run with purpose. Amen? When our focus is restored, we can run with purpose. And focus, we all know, is the key to breakthrough. So if you really want to have a breakthrough, then we need to have focus, and then we will see breakthrough if we stick around long enough. So I'm just going to share on a, a couple of subjects uh, through heaven's eyes. Okay? How, how does God see different things that we are associated with as human beings? And what does the Bible have to say about these things? And how do I readjust or realign my perspective to the perspective of God? So firstly, let's just look at the world, the world around us through heaven's eyes. The world around us through heaven's eyes. The Bible tells us that all things were created by God. All things were created for him and all things were created through him and in him. We know that Christ is the one who is holding everything together. He's the one who's holding everything coherently together, the author and the finisher. So when we look at this world through heaven's eyes by what the word of God declares, the word of God tells us that this universe and this world did not just come into being, did not come into existence from nowhere, but it came into existence by the word of God. And God is the creator who has created the world. All things are created for him, in him, and through him. And we see that this beautiful universe or this beautiful world that God created in its original intent did not remain the same way. And it's, it's a familiar story. We know the story of um, Adam and Eve and what they did. Okay? The fruit which God for, forbade them, forbid them to eat from, Eve looked at it and she said, oh, so good for the eye and, and it's good as food. And as you know, you know, women are more sharing and caring, she also gave it to her husband. And then now you have it, both of them did what they shouldn't have done and the world is of sin as we look at it today. And it began there in the Garden of Eden. And Romans 5.12 tells us that through one man, who's this one man? Adam. Through one man, sin came into the world and through sin came death. 
and death comes to all because all have sinned and heaven when heaven sees earth all toppled over god does not just stop there but god is a god of love and compassion and we read that god also desired to reconcile all things to himself all things in heaven all things on earth everything seen everything unseen the word of god declares in the, in colossians 1 uh, verses 90 to 20 19 to 20 onwards that god reconciled all things through his son jesus christ and through his blood so god had a plan okay and unlike many of us god had no crisis management plan you know suddenly something happens and now what do we do but the word of god tells us in revelation 13:8 that god had a plan even before the foundation of the world the lamb of god was slain for sacrifice when we say slain it means for sacrifice giving up up his entire life for your sin and my sin even before the foundation of the earth was laid and that's that is god's heart god gave a prototype in the book of leviticus where we read that god said leviticus 17:11 that the life of the flesh is in the blood okay talking of animal sacrifices to to make atonement for sin atonement nothing but um purge pardon reconcile make clean so god used a prototype of animal sacrifices in those days but we see that in our times jesus himself the high priest became the lamb or the sacrifice and he was slain and his blood was shed and now the bleeding is not just a little bit of bleeding but what the old testament um taught was bleeding unto death and that is what jesus did as the lamb of god slain meaning becoming nothing of no life after giving everything he had so that you and i may be reconciled to god all of universe be reconciled unto god and this was god's idea looking through heaven's eyes god had a good plan which involved him dying for you and him dying for me and we see that he provided salvation through his name no confusions there acts 412 says salvation is found in no other name no other name under heaven that was given to men by which we must be saved only one name and the name of jesus and the heart of god is long suffering second peter 39 tells us that it is the will of god that none should perish but god is long suffering meaning waiting for people to turn waiting for people to make that u turn and recognize the reconciliation that he established through his very blood romans 2:11 says for with god there is no partiality so it's an open invitation to everyone who is created by god as people and whom he has created in his own image So when I look at the world this is the interpretation that the word of God gives me that God created things did go wrong 
but he re reconciled through his own blood and now there is an open invitation to, to take up that sacrifice which he has given. So talking of the world, okay, coming closer home to my life, how does scripture view my life? My life through heaven's eyes. How does my life look through heaven's eyes? And I praise God because he usually keeps all things simple and my life is nothing but to worship God. I was created to worship God and I was created for friendship with God. Okay, imagine with me, uh, Genesis 3.8, we read that G uh, the, the Lord God came and he called for Adam uh, and Eve in the cool of the evening. So um, I'm imagining it's a good friendship, you know, in the cool of the evening when it's all nice, you want to go meet with some good friends. I don't know if they, they brewed tea back in those days, but... It would have been a good idea, not that bad. So they just had a wonderful friendship time together. And God created man for friendship. God created man to worship and to give him the glory. And I was not just created for, you know, accident by chance, um, an accident waiting to happen. But the word of God is very clear when, when we look at scripture right uh, in the outset, the word of God declares Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 onwards. We see, you know, if you can imagine the company of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit having a conversation and saying, let us create man, okay? Let us create man, what better image to create him in than in our own image. So God created man. And why did he create man? Verse 26 tells us to rule and to reign, to rule over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky. I practiced that because I, I kept saying the fish in the sky and the, the birds of the sea. Okay, so the fish in, in the sea and the birds of the sky, the cattle on the land and everything else that crawled. So God called him to rule and to reign. And the sad story, the sob story, that the world was now deemed, deemed for destruction changed. Romans 5.12 says that even though through one man came sin and death, now through one man, Jesus Christ, came justification and the gift of life. So Jesus turned it all around for me and my life is very different now through heaven's eyes. I was created for friendship, created for worship, created to give him glory, created to rule and to reign. Second Corinthians 5.15. Now that Christ has done all these wonderful things, what is expected of me? Through heaven's eyes, this is what God expects of us. We see that the Bible says, he died for all, so that all who live may now no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them. So now there is a great exchange. There's a great exchange. Galatians 2.20 also tells us that now I am crucified in Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And I live this life in faith in the Son of God who died 
for me. So God, when he set everything in order through heaven's eyes, he gave me the option of living the original life that he created for everyone he made in his own image. And through Christ, when I am redeemed, I can now live the life that Jesus would want me to live. In fact, Jesus himself living through me. The divine exchange life that, that I can now live. So we just looked at what the world looks like through heaven's eyes and my life. But sitting here, okay, um, it's, it's always better when it comes even more closer home. So I just like to talk about our situations and our circumstances through God's eyes. There may be questions in our heads here saying, okay, you know, God, all this is so wonderful, the drama of the whole world um, just unfolding before our eyes, but Lord, how is it relevant to me? Do you even know what I am going through? But God's word is clear in reaching out to us in Psalm 139, verse 3, in fact, says that God knows us. God knows everything. He's so acquainted, the Bible says, so acquainted with you and me to the, to the point that he knows when you sit down, he knows when you stand up, and he knows when you sleep. Okay? And uh, when, when I just read knows when you sleep, I, I re remember a time during exams okay, when, when you just want to procrastinate and you have good reasons, just tell yourself, yeah, if I sleep, I think my concentration will be better. So there was one point when I was just sleeping a lot. So I, I realized, oh, okay, you know, God knew it. The reason why you even want to sleep and God is so acquainted, so knowing of every single one of our thoughts and everything that we do. And before a word is out on my tongue, he already knows it. He already knows it. So God knows my situation. God knows my circumstance. He's a God who sees and nothing is hidden from his eye. But although God is a God who knows, how can that God be in my situation? God knows my situation. That's okay. A lot of people, a lot of other people may also know my situation. Just that God knows it too well. God knows it really well. But how can God be in my situation? And James 4, 8 has to tell us, draw near to God. Come near. Don't be a spectator. Don't sit in those chairs. Don't sit on the pews and watch. Don't be a spectator, but come. Rise up, take a few steps, come forward. Draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. So in my circumstance and in my situation, I invite God to step in, and that is what makes the difference. Isaiah 55 tells us that we are also called to make a change wherever necessary. Talking about surrender. Let the wicked man forsake his way. Let the unrighteous man forsake his thoughts. Let them come. Let them come closer to God and God will intervene in my situation and God will reach out to me. 
So God is a God who sees me. God is a God who can intervene in my circumstance. But what if the situation is impossible? What if it is just, you know, mind-boggling? There is no answer. And everything in the natural seems like, you know, nothing can really happen. Don't try to convince me that anything can happen. And what if the situation is completely impossible? The Bible is... It, the Bible is full of stories of impossibilities. And we just look at the life of Abraham, one of those friends of God who, again, drank no tea. Okay, I keep coming back to tea because it's, it's a good drink to drink. Anyway, so, uh, but he was a friend of God. He communed with God. He enjoyed God's presence. And the only thing that was credited to him as righteousness was his faith. Impossibility asks for faith. And if there is faith, God credits that as righteousness or right standing or right living before God. And that was the, the beginning of Abraham's journey. Romans chapter 4 puts it very beautifully. It talks about everything that was impossible for Abraham. Okay? We know Abraham's story. God promised him. I will make you the father of many nations when he has no child. Okay? That, that wouldn't be a funny joke. It would be rude if God couldn't do anything. But God made him a promise in the face of impossibility. And the Bible tells us that there was Abraham okay? uh, in, in the desert land, looking up at the sky, looking, at, looking down on the sand, and imagining my inheritance, my people will be these many as the sand of the shore and the stars of the sky. So we can very uh, boldly say that Abraham was seeing stars okay, those days, literally. And, uh, but that was because he, he had faith in his heart. So he was seeing stars, but he was seeing stars with faith. And he was looking at stars through heaven's eyes. And Romans 4, 19 just describes the impossibility and says, a man who is a hundred years old and a woman who is, is just not in a position at that age, the, the, the barrenness of Sarah's womb is quite an impossible situation. But as Abraham believed, we see that God did a miracle. And today, here we are, Okay, many of us, not just those who are uh, descendants by race, but Gen uh, Galatians 3 tells us, and those of us who are in faith are also, those of us who are in Christ Jesus are also descendants of Abraham. So here we are, sitting, looking at so many people, maybe as many stars in the sky and the sand of the shore, the descendants of Abraham, because one man dared to believe in the face of impossibility, and God made it happen because of his faith. And whenever things are impossible, okay, nothing new, God's word says, with God all things are possible. So in my circumstance, when I look at my situation through heaven's eyes, I don't look at the impossibility, I look at what is possible. I look at the fact that God can walk into my situation and turn it around for his glory. 
But the one thing I need is faith. The one thing I need is faith. I just love how Jesus put it so simply, so straight. In Mark 11, 23, he said, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Faith doesn't stand alone. Faith needs an object. And faith is just as strong as the object that it leans on. And Jesus said, have faith in God. God is not shakable. So my faith needn't shake. When I've really heard from God and I'm counting on God to move on my behalf, so I can have faith. And 1 John 5, 4 also says, even this is our victory, the faith. The faith that we proclaim. Amen? And we are conquerors. We, we are conquerors because of this faith that you and I can walk in. So my circumstance can be very different if I look at it through heaven's eyes and move in a manner that you know, God, God would show me rather than just being discouraged and in a position to say that nothing really can be done about my situation. Now, always talking about me and how all of what God has done is relevant to me can be very comfortable and convenient. But at the end of the day, God has made every single one of us adventurous. He's put mission in my heart. He's put mission in your heart. When I say mission, I don't mean becoming a missionary. I just mean purpose. I mean a goal and a destination that you and I, uh, that God has just put inside of us. And it, it just uh, brings in so much passion when you think about that destination. So God has put mission within me. And how does this mission look through heaven's eyes? Um, Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 to 2, it's talking to the believers, those who have been reconciled and those who uh, are now in Christ Jesus. And this is what Paul has to tell them. He says, if, you, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Amen? So this mission can only become clearer if I look at it the way God sees it. And, and, and the word of God tells us that we will only accomplish this mission if we have a heavenward thinking or a heavenly-minded thinking in this situation. And we need to also see that Jesus taught us definitely to make the most of all that we see, all that we know. God has put us in charge of. But also, don't be so drawn to only the things that are of the world. Don't be so drawn and don't, don't be so consumed by the things that are of the world. Be heavenly minded. He said, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth does not destroy or thieves cannot break in and steal. God's people to be heavenly minded. Why heavenly minded? Because all the desires of this life, okay, all the desires of this life and the lusts of this world 
are nothing but those that are passing away. They are here today and they are gone tomorrow. So God invites us to be heavenly minded. And one danger when you speak about heavenly minded is always that, you know, there's a question. Being heavenly minded, does that mean I should uh, disengage myself from the world? Because, you know, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world and, and, and therefore, you know, do we all have to fly off to another planet or, or something like that. But, but the word of God is very clear. Even when we, we read the parable of uh, Jesus uh, talking about the parable when a master gave talents or money to 10 different servants, he told them. Okay, in Luke 19, 13, he said, go back and do business. When I'm not around, I expect you to engage. I don't want you to run away. Okay, you are not off this world, okay, but you are here. But I want you to engage in this world and yet remain heavenly minded. And to be conscious that every time you do this, you're storing up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth does not destroy, destroy and thieves cannot break in. And if we disengage, what is the challenge? What, what is the difficulty if we all just disengage? Okay, I, I remember an archbishop bishop said that you know, we can all be um, salt pillars or we can all be um, in, in shakers of salt. It's just so much easier, salt and light. We all get together, we're all in one salt shaker and it's more fun. It's easy, no difficulties. But that's not what God's word says, but God has called us to be salt and light here on the earth. Wherever we are, whatever God may have called us for, and when I say mission, it could be, you know, you're, you've taken up full-time ministry, which means you're engaged only in, in ministry activities, as we call it, Christian ministry. But it could also be that you are a workplace minister, doing what God has called you under the Seven Mountain Initiative. And whatever that is, God wants you to be salt. God wants me to be salt wherever we are. I like um, Bill Johnson when he keeps saying, as he is, so we are in this world. Ha as he is, meaning as Jesus is, so we are in this world. So if we stop being salt, we stop being light, and stop living the life that Jesus is living through us, no one will ever know who Jesus is about and what Christ and his sacrifice is about. So we are called to be heavenly minded, but we are also called to engage. Do not disengage, but engage wisely, knowing that we are not of this world, but yes, we live for the glory of God. And just some thoughts on the life of Esther. Very, um, very inspiring, very, um, it's, it's just amazing to look at the life of Esther. And I'm not going to read from uh, any passage because I'm talking from the entire book of Esther and the story of Esther, if you know. Um, Esther was just a simple girl, a simple girl who probably did not even have a dream. 
okay? When you're captured and you're not in your own land, you're living with uncertainty, what do you look forward to? Maybe one such girl who, who just lived her life thinking, I hope I'm okay tomorrow. And the story goes on to say that her uncle allowed her to be prepared for something. Okay? He, he, he put her for, for treatments and preparation so that one day she could have the opportunity to go be with the king. So here was this girl prepared for one such opportunity. And the day came, the day came, even before she realized probably the day came and she went uh, to the king and the, and the king was so pleased with her to the, to the point that he made her his queen, right? So, and that's the story of Esther and we go on to read that she did some very courageous things in her lifetime. There's not too much said about her. But whatever is said, I think, is, is, is um, of great impact and, and just so real and inspiring. So this day, I just want us, as we consider the mission of our lives, to just take some lessons from Esther's life. Okay, the one thing that is so uh, amazing is the fact that she rose above yesterday's challenges. She rose above the reality that she knew yesterday. And everything that she was tagged with as, as a girl who had no great background or whatever, she chose to rise above it. She chose to rise above all her situations. The second thing is that Esther recognized need. Esther recognized need. And it doesn't take much, does it, to just look around and find so many needs around us. Just look around, and there's always need. I don't know if Esther went looking for big need, but whatever need she saw, she had to just jump up and rise up to the occasion. So Esther recognized the need. She also recognized the purpose and the timing that God had ordained for her. Okay? So her uncle comes up to her and talks her into this whole thing where he says, Esther, if you do not rise up, if you, being in this position of influence, do not move on the behalf of God's people, God can raise for himself somebody else. Can let it go. But here's your chance. Here's your opportunity. What will you do? And Esther recognized the purpose and she recognized the timing. And what she did was extremely courageous because in those days, you don't just turn up at the king's throne and say whatever you want to. You have to pass a lot of security. But Esther did that because she knew that if she did not speak at that given moment, it meant that her people would perish. But Esther was bold. So when you recognize purpose, when you recognize timing, the one thing that we need to mix with that is courage. 
Because if there is no courage, then something would miss there and we will not be able to move forward in the purpose that God gives us. So Esther courageously went ahead and the next thing about Esther is that she said, if I perish for turning up, if, you know, if you turn up in, in the king's presence without prior appointment, it was as dangerous as your head getting chopped off. And so Esther said, if I perish, I perish. Okay? If I perish, I perish. And that is my decision. So Esther walks up into the king's presence with, with that kind of determination where her cause is beyond herself. Her cause is beyond herself. And yes, Esther just sees the moment and we know what happened. That was a time of redemption for the Jews, her own people, because she rose to the occasion and she engaged in the need which she saw around her. And this day, it's just a question to us. Okay? Um, we, 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 we're just looking at everything around us, but just, just a question to us, you know, are, are we asking God, Lord, where do you want me to plug in? What do you want me to do? Because you've invested many things in me, and Lord, you want me to be heavenly-minded. How can I be wise? We learned about financial stewardship, last week, but how we need to be stewards who make things fruitful and be accountable. So God, in my time, in my generation, how can I be accountable? How can I make things more fruitful for you? Because I believe that there is an assignment for everyone and there are no specials before God. And it's just about us saying, Lord, I just step up and use me. And as we look at our mission through heaven's eyes, there's only one thing that the Bible just calls us to live for. And he says, Jesus put it once again plainly and simply, yet with impact in Mark 8.35, and he said, he who saves his own life will lose it. But he who plans to lose it for the sake of God, will gain it. Okay, so some kind of reverse uh, economic principle. But God spoke to his people and said, you're losing nothing in investing in my kingdom. You're losing nothing in investing in the work of God and in the people of God. For see, every plan and every story of the Bible where there's questions and then there are answers, the answers end up being for the lives of people as a solution. And just about every story is a solution to people because people are at the center of God's heart. And just as his word is eternal, so are his people and people are the only other thing that are eternal. And God calls us to rise up, to step forward, and to not worry about losing anything. Because if you choose to lose for the sake of God, you only gain. And Jim Elliot put it this way. 
He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. So as we move ahead with God and look at the mission for our lives through heaven's eyes, just be encouraged. God is not lose, calling us to a losing game, but a game of victory. And, you know, we work from victory. So it's, it's just an amazing ride that you and I can take. And no eye has seen, no ear heard of the things that God has prepared for those who love him. And even as we just meditate on these things, on, on just considering all that is, is so close to us through heaven's eyes. Father, we just want to thank you, Lord. Father, we want to magnify you. Lord, we just want to give you all the glory, Lord, all the honor, Father. Father, we just love you this morning, Lord, and we just honor you, God. For, Lord, you've called every single one of us, oh God. You made provision, oh God. Father, we thank you for your mercy, Lord. We thank you for your goodness, oh God. Father, for you called us, Lord, each one of us, oh Father, with purpose. Lord, with purpose for friendship, oh God. Lord, this morning, we're just so delighted, Lord. We're just so thankful, so thankful, God, that the God of heaven would look down on us and want friendship with us. And the God of heaven would just want to start wherever we are found, oh God. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you receive us, oh God, just the way we are, oh God. But Lord, you change us after that. Lord, you make us your righteousness, oh God, in Christ Jesus. And you invite us, oh God, to live that life of divine exchange. Yes, oh God, and this morning, Lord, our hearts are so grateful, Lord. Our hearts are so grateful, Lord, that you would have a purpose, that you would have a call, and you would send help, and you would grant us mercy, Lord. And so we rejoice in you, Lord. We rejoice in you, Lord, and we just honor you, Father God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Even as we stand in God's presence, if there are some of us who've not known of this invitation, who've not known that the heart of the Father is longing for you and He's waited for you from the foundation of the world, this is your morning. This is your morning when heaven looks straight at your heart and asks the question, would you come? Would you come? Would you step forward? Would you rise up? Would you say yes to this winning game that God is calling for and His love which He wants to shower on you? If you have not ever confessed Jesus as your personal Savior this morning, I'd just like to encourage you, wherever you are, don't feel ashamed, don't feel compelled, just wherever you are, standing there by yourself, just thinking upon these things in your heart, 
just slip up your right hand and say this is my moment this is my moment Romans 10:9 and 10 tells us that it is with your heart you believe but it is with your mouth that you make confession that Jesus is Lord and then you are saved and so this morning i just encourage you wherever you are just step up rise up to receive god's invitation as you draw near to god god draws nearer to you thank you lord thank you jesus yes lord thank you lord thank you that your word is sharper than any double edged sword oh god yes father god just just cutting through lord soul and spirit bone and marrow father lord we just give you thanks lord we give you praise lord jesus those of us who've just been standing in God's presence and just wanting to make a renewed commitment to God and let's just take a moment to renew our commitment those of us who've been walking with the Lord and this morning you just want to say God I want something fresh and Lord I just want this whole real thing oh God And Father I just want to be excited I want to be passionate about the mission Lord the mission that you have given me called me with Can I just request us to just slip up your hands because we'll just pray in agreement with you Thank you thank you so much Thank you Father God yes Lord yes Lord yes Lord Thank you God thank you Jesus thank you Lord Thank you Father Yes Lord you've called us to yourself oh God Yes Abba and even as we come Lord even as we wait in your presence as we commit to you we thank you that we will rise up on eagle's wings oh God we will rise up oh God renewed father God great acuity of vision oh God and just power in our wings oh God and i just speak that over those who want to commit lord in a renewed manner father want to make a commitment to you and your cause lord jesus yes sabha we thank you we thank you yes lord we just thank you father we just thank you we thank you lord that lord your love toward us is great and lord as we just think about it as we stand in your presence what can we say oh god but just rejoice in you love you and live for you more and more and thank you once again lord thank you for this day lord thank you for your presence oh god thank you for your word oh god we give you thanks we give you praise lord jesus The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. May he release unusual favor upon your life. May he lift up his countenance on you and give you his shalom. You are blessed in Jesus name. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact@apcwo.org. Also visit our website www.apcwo.org 
for additional resources thank you for listening and god bless you